brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All of the government programs that we don't like are funded by theft. All of the government programs that we do like. Oh, sorry. There aren't any. Government is the reason that health care is expensive. Government is the reason you can't go to college. Taxation is theft. Welcome back to Taxation is Theft, the show that talks about all the ways the government is ripping you off, and we're broadcasting live on Facebook and YouTube. Censored, of course, by Zuck and whoever's running YouTube, because um, they hate us for what we say. Uh, broadcasting live from an underground bunker deep within the jungles of Mexico, I'm Dan, Taxation is Theft Berman, former candidate for president of the United States, currently in the race for governor of Texas. And today we have Brad Leo Lyon. Uh, who is the man behind Let's Party, a movie to end the duopoly. Let's Party is a hybrid movie that combines elements of narrative storyline alongside a documentary production with a goal of creating awareness and presenting alternative opinions through factual-based discourse. It's the Adam ruins everything of two-party politics. Illustrating the system's current failures, like, that's a, that's a long list. I don't know if you can fit that all in a movie. And the reality that we don't have to fall victim to it. Most importantly, it works to provide factual evidence to debunk the theory that we're stuck in a two-party system while showing our audience just what the two major parties have done to make America believe that that is true. And as you're listening to this, there is an Indiegogo link in the description, so make sure you head over there and help fund this project. It's really going to be amazing. And, of course, before we get started, I have to beg you for support. If you're watching this, if you like it, share the live streams, get everybody else to watch it. Um, uh, today, we're going to be talking about a really interesting movie that everybody's going to want to see. It's going to be the summer blockbuster event um, of the year, especially since Hollywood's totally shut down. <laughs> we have we have legroom now. Um, but absolutely share this, invite your friends, send your comments and questions as you're listening. And, of course, support the show by heading over to taxationstuff.info and buy lots and lots of really cool stuff. Head over to YouTube. Make sure to subscribe. And head over to our new channel, Tit Clips, on YouTube and subscribe to that. We've got the awesome little tit bits 
that uh, you like from the show so you don't have to listen to us ramble on for hours and hours and hours. And it is the last chance to get the amazing Opener 3000, which is absolutely not an AR-15, even though the government thinks it is. Or is it? Head on over to uh, taxationstuff.info and click the amazing Opener 3000. All you have to do is enter your email address to win. And now, on to the show. Welcome, Brad. How's it going? <laughs> Thank you very much for having me. Highly appreciate it. Absolutely. I feel like my intro just keeps getting longer and longer every time I do a show. <laughs> it doesn't help when you have our long synopsis to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, um, this, is, uh, this is something... I, I want to say libertarians have been struggling with this, but everybody's been struggling with this. I think there are a lot of people who who hate the fact that we have this two-party system. We've got a lot of people who are voting for Trump or voting for Biden just because they hate the other guy. And uh, they feel like these are the only two options. Libertarian will never win. Green Party, you know, any any independent, never going to happen. Um, what's the way out? Is there a secret answer to this? <laughs> Well, you know, first and foremost, one of the biggest things is trying to convince traditional voters that that ideology is just simply propaganda. You know, quite often they have to realize the, the major parties now weren't always necessarily the major parties. You know, there were parties that existed before these guys. So, you know, what you have when you have a duopoly, regardless if it was even a monopoly, you've got people in power and people in power hire people to make sure that stays that case. And they do their job. So you've got Republicans, Democrats who actively go out and they create propaganda that suppresses and not just attacks their parties, but also convinces their own constituents that, you know, their propaganda is accurate, that we are stuck in a two party system, that, you know, other parties don't necessarily have a choice. You know, the biggest thing is simply making traditional voters understand that that's simply their job and that's what they've been actively doing. They're working to convince you of that. Now, the reality is we're not going to convince, you know, 90 million Republicans or 80 million Republicans and the same type of numbers with Democrats all to convert over and, and you know, have a new voice. But, the, but that same reality also includes 20, 30, 40 million of those traditional voters on each side who don't even feel like their own voice is heard within their party. But just like you said, they feel forced to vote for the other party because their mentality is, if I might even consider voting for a third party, somehow that voting for a third party is voting for the other major party's candidate. Now, I'm not a person who's horribly constructed on the concept that, you know, fighting the meme war wins you elections by any means. But I am a big fan of a certain meme that I think gives just a great illustration that's a counteraction to that point. You know, I once saw this meme that has three glasses, one's full of red liquid, one's full of blue liquid, and for the sake of, let's say, the Green Party, instead of me talking about libertarians every day of my life, uh, let's go with green <laughs> liquid in the third. <laughs> and then you have an empty glass. Now, if you pick up that glass full of green liquid and you pour it in that empty glass, how much red and blue is in that empty glass? None. And that's the concept with voting. If our votes are for a Green Party member, for a libertarian, for an up, American Solidarity member or a Constitutionalist Party person, that vote is simply for that person. It doesn't add a vote to the Republicans or Democrats. But when you're hired as a campaign manager or you're hired as an image consultant, 
Your job is simply to convince your own voters of that these days, because it's no longer about having a politician who's out there trying to win over people. It's no longer about our platform is important. We want to hear your voices, too, and give me a chance to be your, for instance, president of all parties. That's not the case. Today, the motivation for a campaign manager is simply to get as many of my own people to show up because we already have enough to win. And hopefully demoralize the other party just enough that a little less of their show up. It's not about reaching out to the other party and reaching out to the other voters and saying, I want to be your person. I have this platform and these ideas that will help answer all of our, you know, all of our dilemmas. It's just about creating fear. Right. And I, I want to, I'm looking for this tweet that I made today um, because I think it really, um, it really kind of speaks to that point. Um, in case you missed it, the two-party system has successfully made us argue over how much free money the government should give away instead of whether or not they should give it any away at all or just stop robbing people. Um, and, and I think this is really interesting because there's, there's this whole concept of controlling the conversation. Um, there's, there's this whole idea that you know if you get people to argue about how much the government should be doing uh, with something— then you totally ignore the conversation of whether or not the government should be doing it at all. And I think this comes into play in so many different um, topics. And well, uh, it's called redirective marketing. It's, uh, you know, if you've got a 200 level or above class in college, you're studying that emphasis. You know, whether that emphasis is for campaign management or helping make Tide look like a better product, it's simply like a 200 level course in creating a concept of better branding and avoiding certain derogatory topics towards your own brand. Right. Absolutely. Um, and, and it's interesting. Well, so you said this, which is interesting. You said that it's no longer about appealing to the voters. It's more about spending the time to convince them that this person can actually win. Who's, who's not part of the duopoly, but if you're going to do that, why doesn't it just make more sense to be the Trojan horse in one of the two major parties, you know, where, where, you know, people, you don't have to argue that point. And I think this is really interesting because, you know, even you've got, um, you've got uh, Bernie Sanders, who was an outsider. To, well, I don't really want to call him an outsider. I mean, he's still a crooked <laughs> politician, but he's kind of, not in falling in line with what the Democrats want, or at least right. like the leadership of the party or whatever it is. He's, he's kind of, um, he was a progressive at one point in his life. Yeah. I don't know what to call him. He's just not, I mean, <laughs> the powers that be don't want him to like, they don't want him to run that party. They don't want him to have the, the presidential nomination. Yeah, um, they said in 2016 as well. Yeah. And, and I think, and I think in the Republican party, you still kind of have the same thing. But at the same time, if Bernie Sanders had joined the Socialist Party, he never would have been heard. But he joined the Democrat Party as, uh, I don't know if you would call him a Trojan horse, because he, right. he does carry a lot of Democrat Party values. But he joined that party, and he was heard by so many people. So why isn't this just the solution to say, well, forget about trying to convince people that I could win with this party. 
and use and, and and you know use the bigger stage to reach more people with an important message that actually changes the culture and what they what they believe in. Well, let's start with just a few obvious points, you know, random history that everyone knows, you know, the the 18% by Ron Paul when he had already dropped out at one point. It's not unrealistic that a third party can have significant momentum. The the current job is just to recounter the current media and to convince traditional voters that there may potentially be options. But you have a good point. And with that point, I'm going to lean on the fact that in the past week, I've had three separate people from the Democratic Party uh, reach out to me asking me to actually do that very concept, to modulate myself over the Democratic Party and join kind of what they call the third party of the Democratic Party and push Mm -hmm. for change within it. Now, the problem with that concept, and though I believe that there is benefits and it perhaps would be a slightly easier road on some level. The drawback is what we do by doing that is we create more continuous job security. Because right now, the reason why a lot of politicians who get elected aren't motivated to worry about making significant change or worrying about their platform specifically is because they're worried about simply keeping their job. And when you only have two choices, primarily you know two faces on the ballot that people are familiar with, you have simplistic job security. All you have to do is keep going with the whole faith of the fact that, you know, you only got to vote for me. The other guy's evil. And when you do that, you don't actually have to be successful at your mission. You don't actually have to commit to the change you promised and succeed at it. By having multiple parties on the ballot who are potential winners, you force people to say, hey, if you don't get this job done, we have other options who aren't just the opposite guy. We have other options who may possibly lean towards the way I generally view. And by doing that, you're forcing people to actually get the job done. Now, there's no perfect solution. And simply making one movie like we're making isn't going to fix the entire world. We're not going to defeat the duopoly by having this movie. But what this movie is going to do is something that we often fail to do as third-party campaigns. And that's reach the other voters. Quite often, we're out trying to simply reach our small fan, our small voter constituent base. You know, with no attack on the libertarians, it's a perfect example. Quite often we'll reach out to our 600,000 registered, you know, libertarians, but we're not fighting for the Democratic and Republican vote. And if we don't fight for them, if we don't come out and do what, what the main parties won't do and say, we want to be your voice too, at least hear us, let's talk to us, let us hear your concerns, we're not going to win over those numbers. And last time I checked, 600,000 isn't bigger than 80 million. So we have to learn as third parties, regardless of how stuck on our beliefs we are, that if we don't reach out, if we don't be the good guy that we want to lead us, we're never going to convert people over. Right. And I say this all the time. And in fact, this was this was kind of a big part of my presidential campaign was to reach people outside of the, you know, not necessarily just outside of the Libertarian Party, outside of the libertarian thought circles. So, you know, I, I've been, and, and even in my gubernatorial run, I'm looking at this now, how do we reach people with ideas that are going to make them say, hey, that sounds really great. I'm not a libertarian. I've never heard of libertarians. I'm not interested in libertarians, but that sounds great and relevant to me. Um, and, and, you know, I've, I've been trying to push this idea to libertarians to say, hey, we need to be more, uh, you know, our message needs to be more appealing to uh, to the far left and the far right. 
not because we need to pander to them to, to get their support, but because we can really all they're doing is looking for a solution and all we're all we need to do and what we're completely failing to do is to provide them a libertarian solution that's going to get them what they want to solve their legitimate problems and make them happy and at that point they'll realize hey this this democrat party or this republican party is bullshit they're just trying to sell us pipe dreams like some crooked politicians and these guys over here are actually telling me there's a way to solve my problems um and I think this is of course, super, because they super no longer important. have to solve problems. They With literally that? don't have the job anymore of solving problems. Right. They have enough voters. They have a strong enough voter base that they don't have to actually solve a problem. They just have to make sure those people show up and vote for them. You know, they just have to simply say, Democrats, you're already registered. Just show up at the polls and vote for us. You know, blow, blue no matter who or whatever the concept is right. for that market within the month. And, and that's what this film is simply about. It's about reaching out to traditional voters. And quite often, we did a, a significant survey when we first started this project. And we went out and we were asking people a set of questions that simply asked for the, their knowledge and relationship to what they knew about the suppression of third parties. You know, did they know that there's a presidential debate committee that's in charge of deciding who's actually on the debate floor? And did they know that that committee um, bases their decision on five polls that actually doesn't name other parties' candidates? You know, they only name the Democratic and Republican candidates and then say, sorry, we're not including you because you didn't poll well in our poll that didn't include you. You know, are these things significantly in there? One of the questions was, you know, can they name a, you know, a previous uh, third-party candidate that ever got more than 5%? We had almost no one. When we pull upwards of 5,000 people, I think it was meant to be a 5,000-person poll, and we didn't quite get there. We got four, 860-some-odd total votes. Um, in that process, we had almost single-digit numbers for people who actually responded, and these polls were for Democratic and Republican traditional voters. So your typical voters didn't even mention Ron, for Pete's sake, you know, from 1992. So the reality was you have a whole bunch of voters who aren't happy in their own party, who aren't happy with their own candidates, but for the most part are horribly unaware of what their own party does to prevent third parties from being a potential option. And not that they're not actually an option, but to convince their voters that they're not, that they're not feasible. And I feel the average person if they were aware hello it is ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day couldn't we just to make up for things like sitting in traffic doing the dishes counting your steps you know all the mundane stuff that is why i'm such a big fan of chumba casino chumba casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Of what third party does to literally do its job. I'm not saying they're evil for it. These people are hired to do this thing. I don't, I'm not even anti-necessarily Democrats or Republicans. I'm here for everyone's voice to be heard. 
you know, let's party. Our film is about simply trying to make sure that every American gets an opportunity to have their representation properly represented by people who may believe in the same things. So they can go out and they can pitch what they feel or what they need or have their problems actively sought after. That's what I care about. And maybe that's a democratic view at times, and maybe that's a Republican view, or maybe it's a libertarian view. But what I care about is making sure everyone has a voice. I'm not the enemy of the Republicans or the Democrats. I'm just trying to fight for everybody, which is what every politician should have been doing in the first place. You know, I'm, I'm not going to get on tangent about Donald Trump or, you know, past president, future <laughs> Biden. You know? But what I will say is when you look quite often at candidates today, even after being elected, quite often we stop worrying about the other voice. We start treating the other voice as an enemy instead of people that I'm also supposed to represent. Right. Yeah, it's it really is interesting. And I mean, there's I don't know, it's it's from my perspective, there's so many different reasons. Um, you know, you've, you've got these you've got these politicians who most of them are just pandering. They don't even they don't even care you know what they're telling you like oh yeah i'll sell you whatever i need to sell you i'll vote on whatever bills you need us to vote on um you know we've got this this whole this this whole pork barrel bill that just came through um and you know they're giving us free money um but it's it's got so much crap in there it's almost like what they did was like okay everybody write 10 pages and submit it and we'll all vote on it together and, and we'll all pass it through. So whatever 10 pages of whatever bullshit you want, let's just stuff it into this big thing. And, and that's our that's our handshake agreement. I'll vote on your shit. You vote on my shit. Um, and that's actually accurate. You're, you're not, uh, you know, creating a, a far-fetched narrative of fiction. Um, it's not a metaphor. Quite often, it's literal. I mean, look at our, our current bill we just had uh, um, signed, you know, for, for relief. You, you had over 5,000 pages to it with people receiving it the day they're, they're going to vote. You don't get a chance to read 5,000 pages. You have no clue what's going on in 5,000 pages with one day. I can't read 5,000 pages in one day. Right. The reality is half the time we don't pay attention. We just vote the way our party says we're supposed to vote. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely insane. Um... And that's because we're giving them job security by allowing them to only have two parties. By allowing them to simply have a yin and a yang where they can point at each other. It gives them job security. I wonder, do you think there's, because I'm always up for like some sneaky business, right? Like I, I have no moral issues with screwing around with people who are screwing around with people. Um, so, for example, if I did something that might appear to be slightly immoral to just some random Joe, I would say that's a bad thing. But if I were to do the same thing to the Democrats or the Republican Party as a whole, I would say, well, hey, that's kind of um, self-defense in a way, right? So, Well, that's what I was, I was agreeing with early, earlier with your standpoint is the fact that when you hire an image consultant or a campaign manager for whatever party you are, it's simply their job to give you the best chance at success. So when someone does that against their competing party, all they are is competing against their opponents. Right. But at the same time, you don't want to, because you can come out and tell a bunch of lies to the public to fight that. But now the victim of this is the public, not necessarily the other party. What if, is there some sort of, is there some sort of 
Trojan horse, where we send we send some typical Democrat-looking candidates into the Democrat Party, or even just shake some hands with some people who are already in the Democrat Party or the Republican Party, um, enough to get a few small races to come out and create an open forum where they're not just sitting there saying, oh, I refuse to debate um, you know, anyone outside of our party. Because we see this a lot. We see... Um, sometimes, sometimes we do see the Democrats or, or the Republicans get together and debate. Usually those are like the really, really local races. Um, mm-hmm. sometimes I'll see it for like state Congress or something. Um, but even then the media shows up and they don't really report on that. Cause there's like 10 candidates there. Half of them are Democrat, half of them are Republican. And then there's like one libertarian and one green. Um, but to create something like you know what what about after the primaries after these people are selected to to if we have if we have a democrat in there who is friendly to some degree or even a trojan horse who can come out and say hey we're going to debate these libertarians and these green parties and these socialists out in the open i i think something like that is and, and of course it has to, it can't be you know the dog catcher race cuz no one's going to read about that in the newspaper it has to be still a significant race. It doesn't need to be president, but it needs to be significant. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, would you create enough of, uh, you know, some sort of spectacle that people would watch that would get them to acknowledge, Hey, these other parties are here in these debates. They have interesting things to say. Is there, is there something we can do with that to, to kind of, I don't know, create, you know, just get our foot in the door. Well, you know, here's the simple answer for that. In order to do so, any party member must become significant enough in that party to have the value and the push to give himself that type of publicity. You know, I work in film and television. I produce 30-some feature films and TV series. You know, it's literally what I do for a living. You know, part of that is negotiating distribution and getting a film or a TV show, you know, exhibition opportunities. And in doing so, you have to have of value to where the air time is worth it. You know, if I'm going on broadcast, I have to have, you know, sponsors that are actually purchasing the airtime that feels what we're presenting is valuable enough to be shown to the general public. You know, yes, you could potentially have some YouTube video that's going to go viral with a few hundred thousand hits or what have you that people are going to, you know, click into, but is that going to reach a mass market? Now, in theory, yes, if you landed a, a candidate who strongly supported those beliefs, rose high enough, and then wasn't, you know, attacked by its own party, like, let's say, a Bernie Sanders was, um, it's very feasible. But that candidate also has to create the movement behind him or her to have that value in that party. And that party is also going to be aware. That party is not ignorant. That's one of the things we try and make people understand. When, when you reach a certain level of success... More times than not, you're not stupid. We want to believe our opponents are stupid. We want to believe those in charge of the Democrats and Republicans are ignorant people. But you know, here's the reality. More times than not, if you get successful, if you get to a high level in whatever field you're at, you're pretty good at getting there. You have a grasp and understanding of not just reaching there yourself, but how to suppress those that you're competing against. So much like Bernie didn't get a chance to you know, truly run for president out of the primaries because even though he was a leading vote getter in 2016 his you know votership was suppressed likewise those people will actively be suppressed when they realize that aspect 
more so. It's kind of what you saw in, uh, you know, in the Democratic convention this past year. You'll have party members who come out and won't even say the name of the other campaigns or the other parties in order to try and make them less relevant. So for a party to be able to say, okay, libertarians and greens mean enough for us to go ahead and talk about them, that's a far stretch unless we give them a reason to, to fear them in the first place. And fear isn't 1.4 or 1.5 million votes. That doesn't scare any major party who's getting 70, 80, 90 million votes. It doesn't make a difference. If you're going to create fear, you have to make them believe you're still in electoral votes on the presidential level. And you're still in you know, governorships, you know, where you're actually winning in a significant manner that you have to be a sizable threat. Otherwise, there could continue normal propaganda, which is those third parties are insignificant. And thereby, we're not even going to mention their name or give them that validity. Right. Um, and uh, you said something interesting, too, about, you know, two million votes. Um, and and it's, it's not really that big of a threat. And I think, uh, you know, this is where a lot of people kind of get me where they're like, oh, yeah, well, you know, they're, they're not going to win. They've only got two million votes, one million votes, whatever. Um, and and there's, there are a lot of people generally who who are so sick of the two-party system that they just say well libertarian is not gonna win i'm just not gonna waste my time and so they well it's not that they're necessarily not gonna win it's that they have to get campaign managers in there that understand what they're doing now i'm not gonna talk about any particular campaign but there's absolutely no question or no doubt that we're not assembling well-qualified educated campaign teams that know how to run a proper right. campaign. Uh, in the process of creating this film, we've assembled some of the best political analysts in the world. And I, I say that's not just patting ourselves on the back. We went out and did. We've got some of the best mathematicians in the country who factually understand numbers. We put them together. We pre-interviewed them. We made sure our beliefs were reality, that our opinions were fact. And while doing so and discussing this, and discussing campaigns and sitting down with a couple of the best campaign managers that have existed, the reality is simple. So, so we're led to believe that our current system is horrendous for third-party success. Mathematically, that's not actually accurate. Mathematically, we're in a significant good position if campaigned properly. I'll, I'll try and go into a, a less boring portion of explaining this at length, and I'll try and do it as short as possible. But let's say we have a campaign team and we say, you know what, let's take a bus and we'll go all around the country and we'll fight all around the country. We'll talk everywhere for like 13 seconds and somehow talking for 13 seconds and every state's going to be a big deal. We'll go all the way out to Alaska even. We'll convince Alaskan voters to vote. Well, here's the problem. What do the Reds and Blues do very well right now? And that's not spend money and time where they can't win, right? They're not going to you know, there's not a Republican presidential candidate who's running over to California saying, I'm about to win California. They're not going to spend that time and effort. They're going to fight in the states where they potentially can win, you know, where they've got to motivate independent voters uh, and motivate just enough of their votership to actually show up. They're not going to overextend, overextend time in states where they have a potential landslide, right? There you go. Game theory. As I, just, I just happen to have that on my desk. <laughs> <laughs> 
as such, if let's say a third party campaign, once again, we're not going to talk about someone specifically, was to spend their limited resources in a handful of states with a large independent registered voter base, which as a reminder, everybody, independent registered voters are the largest number in the United States. If you go to the states with a large independent base, with a reasonable balanced Republican Democratic standpoint, and if you are also marketing and campaigning to both of those parties and spending your limited resources there with a good candidate that speaks to the audience, has a platform, it is very reasonable that you can take 10 to 15% of each party and get them to vote for you. It's very reasonable that you can motivate 24 to 26% of your typical independent base of that votership in that state. And guess what those numbers lead to? You winning a majority in that state because you're a third candidate out of that because it's no longer about a 50-50% standpoint. Matter of fact, overall, from the electoral vote standpoint, it's no longer about 270 and 280 electoral votes because there's multiple significant candidates. That's why it behooves the Libertarian Party for a Green Party candidate to be strong and vice versa, because suddenly it's even less numbers of electoral votes you need. And because of that, if a party put an emphasis on 12 to 15 significant states where they put their time and their money in and they had a candidate worth listening to that truly believes in their platform and can market themselves to the other parties that can show up and set up a an actual an actual rally for democrats say democrats i want you to come here i want you to ask me a question i want to give you answers and same for republicans i want to be your voice too i'm not just the libertarian or green party voice i'm trying to be everyone's president guess what you're going to win a few states and if you start winning a few states you know what happens you are relevant in a good campaign with a handful of dollars more than, let's say, the Libertarians raised last year, that planned a cohesive battle in the states where they have a large number of independent voters, reality is you have a legitimate shot of winning. But you have right. to do it right. And, and this is interesting, too, because you, you, know, you mentioned you need good campaign teams and you know, uh, there's this there's this thing within the Libertarian Party that everybody has to be a Libertarian that you work with. Um, and I've talked to some people who they've worked on Democrat and Republican campaigns. You're talking and, to one now. Yeah, and it's 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 these are people who have won major elections. They have that experience. They know how to organize this, and they're not necessarily as tied to a party as most of the candidates themselves are. The majority of campaign managers in this world aren't. They're nomadic hired guns. Their job isn't to be, I'm a Democrat or I'm a Republican. Their job is to be employed just like a politician's job is to be employed. So because of that, we'll go where whosoever's kind of a check. And here's the shocking thing. It's not that expensive to hire a campaign manager and a qualified campaign manager. Yes, the top three or four are guys who are making, or women, who are making millions of dollars a year. But guess what? The next tier are people that are making fifty to seventy-five to eighty thousand dollars for a campaign cycle. And when you have three million dollars, you can afford a seventy-five thousand dollar campaign manager that's excellent at what they do. And now you have a reasonable shot because you have someone who understands the game. Quit hiring people and asking volunteers to do it who aren't qualified and haven't fought these battles. That don't get it. 
Right. I absolutely agree with you on that. Um, and it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's difficult. Um, it's, it's, oh man, I, there's so many tangents I could go on, oh, go to on that one. Um, Please. well, here, let's do this because I want to, I want to talk about your, your film history a little bit. Um, uh, and, and, uh, because I looked up your IMDB link, um, you sent me that and, and, uh, you've got a lot of work under your belt. Um, I was actually pretty impressed. Um, you've been doing this for a while. Um, I used to be in the film industry a little bit, but you know, mostly I would do little things. I worked on a couple independent films. My IMDB credits are like two. Um, <laughs> it all counts, um, my friend. Yeah, but no. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I was looking at, I, you know, that's, that's pretty impressive. So... Um, you know, a lot of people are like, Hey, I'm putting together a movie and it's like, okay, have you worked on anything before? And you've got, you've, you've directed and produced, um, feature length films and and TV shows you say. Oh yeah. I mean, we've had movies in theaters, uh, broadcast and major networks, you know, films that you can pick up uh, at the shelves of a Walmart or for the handful of family videos that still exist, walk in and rent them. Um, this is something (laughs) I do for, for a living, you know, uh, that's one of the things that I've been trying to really you know, put a big emphasis on people understanding quite often you have traditional voters who's like, wait, I'm hearing about libertarians and I'm hearing about greens. I'm hearing a couple of things they're saying that, that kind of intrigue me, or I might've even seen a meme during the meme wars, you know, that makes me wonder. And then they'll plop over and they'll do a quick Google, but then they'll see our media and we don't put enough emphasis on high quality media. Democrats and Republicans have giant big budget productions out there that really sell their message but we've got crap half the time. So they come over and they see our low budget, you know, low end. I use this <laughs> term independent very loosely produce content. And they're like, well, man, if they don't take their own media series. If it looks this bad, how can we take their candidate series? Obviously they're not, they're not a real, you know, valuable resource. They're not a place I can lean. If this is all they produce. That's why having a high quality movie like Let's Party is important because when they do search, when they decide to watch that film, when they walk into a theater to to see it, or when a third party candidate says, look, I know you don't believe it's possible for a third party to win. Check out this movie. Just watch this movie, you know? And if they do that and they see the high end value, they'll sit through it. They'll listen to the message. They'll check the facts. And most people, though we usually only search for facts that, you know, represent our views, will still look for these facts and try and verify them. And then we win some. We don't win everybody, but we'll win some. That's what Let's Party is. It's, it's a high pro- production value movie that gives us a high-end piece of media that provides awareness and a rebuttal to supporting third parties being wasted. Now, I've been doing this a long time, and I've done it you know, on the big level. I've been on you know, $80, $90 million movies with Hugh Jackman. You know enough? Heck, I got started with a, on a film with a cast that had Christina Ricci and Matthew Lillard and Margaret, Cedric the Entertainer, Phil Ingvall. Like, you know, I've did it on the big budgets and I've produced myself. I've, pro- I've literally grassroots funded films where when I got my start producing content, I was doing this in seats like Flint, Michigan. Okay. 
in cities where we don't have an economy, you know, we have a, a want, you know, and I was able to fundraise and raise tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars to produce content that got released and got out there and that people saw that were screening at theaters. This is what I do. And this is actually what we should have been doing as a party for all third parties where you come out and you say, hey, we're going to make some media. Let's go get the guys who do it, who might happen to already be partly on our side to begin with, and make good stuff and fight back. I'm just trying to be a weapon here, a weapon for everyone's voice. It's not just pointed at Republicans, Democrats. I'm not trying to blow you guys up. I'm just out here trying to give a voice to people who aren't hurt. And I'm good at it but I need your support to do it. I need you guys to go over to letspartymovie.com or go over to our Indiegogo campaign and check out a perk. I'm not even asking you guys to contribute for free. That's bull crap. I don't want you to just throw money out for nothing. I want you to buy a t-shirt or show up on set. I want you to get a producer's credit in the film or a special things credit. I want you to get something for your money so you're part of the fight. Become part of it. Like, so often we'll sit here and we'll whine and cry on Facebook. We'll think we're doing something because we're a social media warrior. Or we're really a badass because, hey, I'm part of the, the meme revolution. We're going to win a presidency because I posted four memes. Guys, it doesn't work like that. We actually have to get active and behind our message. So if you want to live up to what you're saying when you're on Facebook and Twitter and complaining and actually be part of a movement, then support those of us out here fighting for that change. I'll fight for you. I want to. I want to help give you your voice. Even when I disagree with you, I believe in the whole American concept that you have a right to say it. But if you don't have us out there fighting for you and doing it, if you don't give us the weapons to do it, we can't win. Right. Yeah, this is... Um, it's funny. The, when I first got started with the Libertarian Party, that was one of the things I set out to do because I was still kind of in, uh, in my... Um, filmmaking days i guess uh was you know to help them with their media and i think at that point i realized hey there's some bigger issues that um that i need to address because you know there's there's a lot of people who understand media and it was interesting because i i met with some people too who were like i talked to the guy um uh, there was a guy in san antonio who actually produced i want to say it was uh was it the reagan commercials when he ran for president um, he produced those and or, it was either Reagan or Kennedy. I think it was Reagan. He produced it like this guy was like legit and he had like a, a, a whole film history and everything to go with it. And here he was sitting down and talking with us lowly libertarians um, running for a um, I think that was for a U.S. Congress seat. Um, yeah, absolutely. There's there's a lot of people out there, but I know there's there's this libertarian temptation to say. We don't need to spend money on that. We have volunteers who can do all of this stuff. And it's like, yeah, would you drive a car that was built by volunteers or even designed <laughs> by volunteers? Or would you hire some expert engineers to make sure that's something that works, right? Um, right. There's, there's even, I mean, there's so many different things to look at. I mean, a lot of people, um, especially when we talk about the makers and the 3D printers, we're talking about using open source software, sometimes even open source hardware. Um, but at the end of the day, even the computers that you're buying are still made from big name manufacturers. There are very few. I mean, the, there's only one that I know of, which is Librem, which would be considered a small manufacturer. Um, and, and even really they, are because they're actually a big military manufacturer. But Oh, I didn't know that. But they're, they're 
they have knowledge and expertise. It's not like it was just some guy in his garage that was like, okay, I'm going to make these things. I mean, these are like, you know, they've got molded frames and everything. It's, it's, there's a lot of amazing talent and everything that goes into there. And it's, it's interesting because, you know, I, I, um, I trained one of my good friends in San Antonio to be a really great photographer. He was just kind of learning when I met him and, uh, and I was never like the greatest photographer or anything. It was just kind of a hobby for me, but I knew a lot of things and I taught him and now he's amazing. Um, and I'll totally take credit for that. But, um, (laughs) so many times you run into people who are like, wow, you like, you take a picture, you show them the camera and they're like, wow, that's a really nice camera. Um, and you know, you, they want to hire wedding photographers. I shot a wedding once, never doing that again. <laughs> well, what, uh, you know, why don't you just, uh, you know, bring your camera and, and just take a couple pictures and like, you know, no big deal. All you got to do is hold the thing and press the button. Um, and actually my friend, after he got really great with photography, he got all these offers. Oh yeah. Hey man, I'm having my wedding. You're invited. Here's an invitation. Um, by the way, can you bring your camera? All you got to do is point and click and, you know, People think that video and film and photography and everything is very simple, and and really there's a lot more that goes into it. Um, and I think that's that's a really important lesson that you know if if you're working on a campaign, anybody who's listening, if you're working with candidates, don't overlook this. Yes, you can get volunteers to help with this and maybe to cut some of the costs, but you really can't cheap out on good media because it has to look good, it has to sound good, it has to make sense. Um, do market testing if you can. And I know all this stuff can get really expensive, but holy shit, man, like this, this, this can make or break your campaign. If you want to talk about why, why libertarians are pigeonholed everywhere. Um, I absolutely agree. That's, that's a huge factor. Um, so the fact that you're doing this, I think is, is really awesome. The fact that you've got a good history, um, you know, it's, it makes it so much worthwhile, to contribute to a project like this now what's what's your it's so you've already shot some for this that's correct how far along are you on the production well here's the honest aspect of it because i'm not going to mislead people and i'm going to be transparent when we originally started producing this film and we went out to begin principal photography we had what we really believed was a, a strong core of supporters we had this what at that time we felt was a very large group of people who were committed to helping make sure this film uh, succeeded. But this was during the pandemic. And so as we began filming, uh, we were filming with a goal of having something potentially done. And this was, let let me preface, this is an extremely aggressive goal. It was damn near insane. I'll be honest with you, to, to, to have hoped for a film that we could have had shot cut and edited in time to have released prior to the uh, election. So we went out originally with that goal. And what we were originally filming was more based on a film that would be released prior to this current election. With that being the case, some of the footage, a fair amount of the footage that we shot, especially when you consider the dialogue that was uh, taken in that respect, was more angled for a film that would have existed in that time period. So now when we go set out to make new content and continue the production of this film, we're, we're doing it with an emphasis that the actual full narrative of this movie is timeless, that it can be used for any third-party person in the United States and really isn't as based in uh, that 
2020, you know, year that we all hit. You know? <laughs> so though we do have some footage, a lot of the majority of what we have to film has to be reshot. Oh, wow. Yeah. Luckily, I've got a great group of people who also, like myself, are passionate passionate about the message they care about it they're willing to work insanely below the rates of what they normally would get uh to help out which is just truly a blessing i am very thankful for for the team of people we have that really care about this because they're going to go out and they're capable of making a great film i mean we've got a good team but we still need to be able to put food in their bellies and pay for the travel as we go across to shoot this pay for the lodging and give them something to at least hopefully you know cover their their rents and their utilities while they're actually working for us. That's why we do have to raise the budget we're raising. Mind you, with no offense, Matt, because it's not peanuts to the common person, but making a film for under 50 grand in general is ridiculously minuscule. I mean, your average film is produced at, you know, an eight or $9 million rate. I think on my website, the actual breakdown I have says the average film, uh, the average uh, production cost was like $12 million for uh, movies when you look at the medium range. We're over here. We're going to shoot a movie for less than fifty thousand dollars. We're actually only asking in the Indiegogo for eighteen thousand to give us a minimum level of help with you know what we had previously raised and the footage we have and what I'm willing to contribute uh, personally, you know, to make this happen. And realize there's guys like myself and these people who are doing it for, like, well, in my case, I'm not making anything off of it. And and not only are they doing this at low to no cost. But we're doing this with the fear of our own careers in mind. We're making this choice and realizing how, how highly this impacts us. So for those people who don't know, I mean, just look at California. California is heavily a blue state, right? So if someone in California spoke out and happened to lean red, you're ostracized in the entire entertainment community. You just are. You're, you're, you're buried and quite often you're blacklisted. Now imagine if you're a person who's speaking out against both speaking out and saying hey you know there's good things about your parties but there's bad things too and things you're doing to suppress Amer- fellow americans voices that's that's scary that makes people fear working with you and i'm not just saying this hypothetically i'm saying this from experience already this year since i started producing let's party i had a follow-up film that i'm set to direct in 2021 and their team came to me and it wasn't because they were jerks mind you they said hey we're afraid of the repercussions of having a director that's attached to this film. And, and they said to me, and it, I'll admit it was, it was a, a realistic question. You're not getting paid or making crap for making this movie. I'm like, that's, that's accurate. You're making a real income from directing our film. I'm like, that's also accurate. So they said, why don't you not do let's party? Cause we don't want a chance having a director, which we're paying a sizable sum to with this stigma attached to him, just in case it, you know, it creates a derogatory image for us. And sadly, I had to think about it and it didn't take me days or weeks. Uh, you know, it took me a few moments, but I had to say no, because this message is important and there's none of us out here fighting for it. You know, there's no one in the entertainment industry that's saying, Hey, I want to come out here to bat. You know, I can name you two total, like Sarandon, I think is a supporter of the green party, you know, um, and that's all literally I can think of off the top of my head for the most part of, of people in our industry who, who might even have our views that are even willing to publicly go about it. So if we don't get support by people who are actually in the media and can reach the media, I mean, heck, I've been on TMZ more times than I like to admit. Um, 
we're, we're not going to have that leverage. And yet you have people willing to go ahead and put their careers on the line, put their reputation on the line. Mind you, my reputation isn't necessarily sparkling. I'm a guy who makes horror movies and college comedies. I know that. But with that being the case, like we're impacting our careers for this fight. So realize we're not just going out here and making a movie. We're putting ourselves on the line. So all we're asking is, you know, people to stand with us, put themselves on the line a little bit, support it, get a t-shirt, get behind us. I mean, we only have a couple of days left in our campaign. Support this film so we can support your message because it's all of our message. Absolutely. Let alone. It, Go ahead. It's interesting too. I mean, look at, look at damaged political careers like, uh, uh, oh man, what's his name? I just had his name a minute ago. The guy from the guy from Ransom, the guy from Braveheart. Oh, uh, Mel. I can name all the movies. I just can't name the guy. Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson, right? No coming back from that. Ah, but he came back from that, and he made a couple movies. He didn't. Yeah, just on Netflix. Yeah, he. You know, he didn't turn into like a superstar again, but he came back from that, and what he did was pretty bad. Mm-hmm. But man, um. You come out and say something about the Democrats, like you get too involved in politics, your career, who's been completely destroyed by that? There's, well, this other woman, she, she actually was talking shit about Trump, um, the one who, who had the severed head. Uh, oh, the, yeah. The uh, comedian. Uh, the comedian, the redhead. Yeah. Um, oh, my gosh. She's on my Facebook. She follows me. I should know her darn name. Sorry Man. in advance. I think I've been on stage with you, so uh, please don't call me out for this. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, I'm having a brain burn. And it's I could like, use my phone. It, it's like um, I, I'm I'm absolutely terrible with names, so like I forget my own half the time. <laughs> but so like so like that completely destroyed her career, and and I think like for a while, like she she had to work overseas, right? She couldn't even work in the U.S. That's um, accurate. I mean, I'm I do believe she. Could have still been booked at some comedy clubs in America. She was choosing uh, not to, but it was definitely affect her from a standpoint of uh, feature film work, and she was a working actress as well. Um, and so, just imagine like how much, how big of an impact this can have on. So, I mean, you're you're basically kind of already getting threats that like, are you sure you want to end your career like this? <laughs> I mean, I, I lost a job. I lost a movie because of it that paid oh, wow. me. You know, I, that, that film fired me. They said, you know, we don't want to chance it. You know, we want you if you won't do this film. Two of my normal producing team now no longer is willing to work with us. Uh, and I understood their point of view because they're, they're very strong in their, belie- their political beliefs. And they said, if I do this film, um, they don't anticipate staying on board with us. One of which has been on for five or six films. So, so it, it was a tough choice, but it was one of those things where when I wanted to look myself in the mirror and look myself in my own eyes, was I not wanting to stand up and try and do something? Because I was sick of hearing myself complain, whether it was in social media or in real life, but not actively be involved when I have the resource, when I have the ability to do something that could make a positive effect. So, you know, if I'm going to look myself in the mirror, I've got to really ask myself, am I just going to be some social media warrior saying crap online and think I'm doing something? Or am I really going to do something? You know, and if I'm going to be proud of myself, I prefer right. that. You know, whatever happens, I prefer to be able to look myself in the eyes. Kathy Griffin, the name's coming. There you go. I was actually cheating trying to pull it up on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, but I mean, kudos to you for making that decision because that's, I mean, that's huge. Um, you know, you you have no idea how big of an impact this is going to have on your future. You really, there's there's no way of knowing. Um, and taking a risk that big, I think, is is extremely daring. There's, um, are you familiar with uh, Aaron Russo and and his uh, documentary? No, I'm not familiar. I'd be so lying Aaron to you, but... Russo directed Trading Places with Eddie Murphy, mm-hmm. and he later on he he went out to to start a documentary, um, and I don't know I don't know how much impact this had on on his career. I don't know if he was still making uh, big movies at that point, but um, I'm sure I'm sure if we looked at the history, it probably would have. But he set out to do this documentary that was just about I think it was just about like American freedom in general. Mm-hmm. And it, the, it actually, as he was filming it, it actually changed directions and turned out to be a documentary about the scam that is the IRS. And he sure. he ended up interviewing like the you know the the whatever you call them the heads of the IRS um, and like all these other all these other departments. Ron Paul was in there. Um, I think that was actually my my first introduction to Ron Paul um, and Joe Bannister. Um, and it, it was just an amazing documentary. And it, it, this thing is all over the place. I mean, it's free to download. You can, you can go on YouTube and see it everywhere. It was a pretty serious production. Um, you know, you talked about the cost of, of, um, of making a movie. I don't know if this was, I don't think this was far enough back that they were shooting it on film. I mean, it, it might've been video, but for people who don't know, film is usually the biggest cost of any oh, movie because yeah. that stuff is expensive. Um, that's why so few true independent studios existed before uh, the early 2000s. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, what's his name? Robert Rodriguez. His first movie was, I think, an $8,000 budget, and he shot it on black and white film, and that $8,000 was spent on the film. And you got it. it. And um, how that money came from uh, a blood test he was doing just to raise the money. <laughs> oh, man. He literally was going to research labs and... Uh, uh, giving up his body to raise that that money. Amazing. That's that's what you call putting in your blood, sweat, and tears. You got um, it. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's I I want to go I want to go look up Aaron Russo's history now and see and see if he had any. Um, uh, unfortunately, he passed, so we can't ask him directly. But it's it's really amazing that he stuck his neck out to make that documentary, and I think that's that's really along the lines of what you're doing right now. Um, with this so so i think that's amazing so i want to say i think i already went and donated um uh last week but i'm probably going to head over there and donate some more so if you're listening to this this i mean this this is an amazing project really head over to um look in look in the comments for the indiegogo link head over there and donate a few bucks donate 25 bucks donate 100 bucks um this is this is really really something now since you have some of this shot already I wonder, would you ever think about releasing two versions, the 2020 version as <laughs> well, a maybe like an editor's, uh, a director's cut? Well, in the process of trying to uh, do that filming, uh, what I didn't continue with that story, and I should have perhaps, is to express that we had this great team, and, they, and a lot of this team believed they'd be able to consistently fund us throughout the production. So we went ahead and raised a minimum budget we needed to begin shooting, with the belief that we would stay on that same pace of, uh, you know, receiving support as we went out and started filming. And as we were on the road over the course of, uh, 
uh, I believe it was right around the end of the second week, we were getting our butts kicked because suddenly when we weren't involved in that process, we were no longer getting the financial support. We realized if we continued down that road of, of filming the movie we were filming, we were not going to have the money at all for post-production. There was no way we'd be able to get it in time for the, for the election. So we had to, you know, make a decisive uh, decision and, you know, shut down. And we don't have enough footage by any means to have a feature length for that story. And when you make a narrative film, that's a hybrid. In our case, we're doing a, a very rare thing. It's not truly a documentary and it's not truly a narrative uh, film. It's a, it's a movie that's actually done from a narrative format that tells the story in an interesting way, because let's be real. A lot of you guys out here are listening to this, and you're probably not big into documentaries. I'll be honest with you. I'm not a big documentary fan. I've got to watch a movie that's a documentary when it's on a subject I really like for me to watch it, or I'm probably not tuning into a documentary. I get that. That's why this film is actually told from a narrative perspective, but as the narrative moves along, when it goes to act, answer factual questions or questions with factual answers with real experts, we cut from the narrative, and that moment where the two meet so that these questions can be asked and solved it cuts to a true life document documentary style interview and then goes back to the narrative and pushes us to the next format of the next questions it kind of has a uh, adam ruins everything feel where it's a narrative story but there's moments of factual documentary style moments that give you the truth uh so that it's not just some fictional version of what we want but it's a real message right and this sound i mean like i, I feel like I feel like I've seen this before in like maybe small pieces, like even like, you know, uh, okay. Let me, let me take fight club as an example, right? All right. You have, right. you have the narrative story and then you have like these kind of like monologues that happen in a voiceover where like mm -hmm. they explain some backstory, which n not necessarily as factual or as, um, I mean, even if it is factual, it's not, it's not so much documentary. At least in their world, it's factual. Yeah, but, like, you know, they talk about, like, oh, yeah, here's how, here's how you make explosives in the bathtub. Um, it, it, and, and I think there's, like, you know, I've, you see this in movies all the time where they're, like, you know, they'll, they'll go off to explain maybe, like, a little bit of backstory or real-world history that you need to understand in order for the movie to make sense. So I, I feel like I've kind of seen it in very small pieces in that format. And I think that actually makes it really entertaining to learn um, certain things like that. Cause I mean, you're right. Like I, I, I mean, I had a period where I was like watching all kinds of documentaries, but after a while, yeah, they, they just get kind of boring. Right. It's like, okay, these guys are sitting here talking and it's like, it's like, yeah, I like to learn, but I, I, I just could only take so much of it. Um, and so I think that's that's a really interesting format, and and you're absolutely right about Adam ruins everything because I mean that show um, has, I mean I've seen so many of the episodes they're really great you can watch them all the way through he even did one on the income tax and how much it sucks but um, <laughs> le less on how taxation is theft and more on just how like they're assholes for making you calculate it yourself. Um, well, that's one of the beautiful aspects of just you know when you watch that show not to be a huge Adam ruins everything fan. But they try not to have it horribly opinion-based, but just the information you provide to you is like, hey, here's the simple facts. I'm not saying whether it's right or wrong. Here's right. the facts. And that's all we're actually doing in our own film is we're giving you a narrative, and the narrative takes you to a handful of actual facts. And as we go these facts, like, this is pure and just, you know, black and white truth. We're not trying to embellish you or be extremely biased. We're just showing you real hard evidence of what's going on. 
so that you know that it's not a wasted effort, that your vote wouldn't matter, that you'd actually get to have people hear your voice and have people who represent you trying to go with the things that you want and need. And that's all we're providing you. You know, right now, you've got two major parties that don't need to hear you. They just need to scare you. And that's just because they've done so well over the past, you know, 20, 30 years of building up their constituent base that they don't have to worry about. Now let's make them worry. Man. Well, um, normally towards the end of the show, I would ask you to go ahead and, and plug something that you're working on, but I think we've been doing that. So let's be <laughs> yeah, a dead horse. Uh, one more time. Give us, you know, if, if somebody wants to support, um, the movie, where can they go? What's the best place for them to go learn about it and donate? So the easiest version whatsoever is letspartymovie.com. Simple, simplistic domain name, letspartymovie.com. Now, if you want to go right to the Indiegogo site and use the Indiegogo's hybrid version of, of uh, their domain, it would be igg.me slash at slash let's party that's igg dot me slash at slash let's party um of course you can follow me directly if you you know just at brad leo lion lions l-y-o-n you can find me on anything from from facebook to to twitter to instagram i'm pretty easy to find and of course i'll be sharing the heck out of it and i'm welcome to answer any i'm happy to answer any questions for you if you ever have questions reach out um you know Tweet to me, you know, write to me, go to my Facebook fan page. I will quickly and try my best to answer them as vividly and honestly and transparently as possible. And while you're doing that, do me another favor. Go support people like him. Hey, I'm pointing the right way for a change. These are the people who have these podcasts who are out here giving us voices. We're, 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 we're out here being suppressed. People don't want to hear this. I'm not, I could get on ABC 12 right now and they'd be happy to have me on if I was talking about my next horror film. You know, I can show up on all kinds of horror podcasts or, or, you know, maybe even e-entertainment if the film's got, you know, a big enough cast in it. They're not having me on to talk about Let's Party. So these voices that are getting squashed, we need people like Dan over here. We need people who are running podcasts, who are allowing these voices to be heard so that you guys who are hearing me right now can come over, can help me make this film. And all of a sudden, we're going to be able to have a voice and fight back. So thank these guys. Support them. Follow them. Obviously, you're already tuning into his show. But hey, contribute to his show, too, if you can. We, uh, we all need it. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the biggest things we hear libertarians talk about the most is that we don't get enough media coverage. Um, and absolutely, you know, this is the independent media. This is the media that we control, of course, until they shut down the Internet. Um, right. <laughs> hopefully I mean, that's uh, not coming anytime soon. Uh, I'm literally looking into putting into some of the suppression into the movie if it's feasible. It doesn't fit our narrative right now, and we need to raise a slightly bigger budget. But one of our own producers ran for um, an office as a libertarian, and he was doing a really great job. And he had a libertarian fan page on, on Facebook, and he had his personal Facebook and next thing I know, in the middle of this campaign, his pages are taken down. Now, this guy isn't controversial to save his life at all. Uh, and there's a lot of libertarian voices that are really controversial out here. This wasn't one of those guys. And yet, for some reason, his fan pages and his personal pages were continually taken down. And as we started just to do a little research, like, wow, is this some weird coincidence? We found four other candidates whose pages were taken down in the middle wow. of the, in the last month of their book. And that's... That's some pretty significant suppression where people are going out of their way to, to crush third parties. Absolutely. So, I mean, 
that needs to be taken hurt. down, but I was I was forbidden forever running ads. I actually had my uh, they said uh, they said your account has been disabled. You're not able to run ads, and I I sent them a message. I said I contact through tech support, and they said, oh, that was a mistake. We've enabled it again. And then I went oh. to try to run ads again, and it said it was disabled again. Contact them again. They said the same thing. Oh, that was a mistake. We've enabled it again. Now when I go back there, it says your account has been permanently permanently disabled, and you cannot appeal this decision. Wow. Wow. So, that's yeah. That's, um, and I had not run. I mean, you know, I've, I've had some other ticks, like not even on that channel, on other channels. When I run an ad, and they're like, oh, there's something inappropriate, or you need to get your verification, and you know whatever. They, they just suspend it temporarily for a little bit, but then you can come back. I wasn't even running ads when they shut this down. Wow. Um, so... Yeah, that that shit is real. And I'm cuz I hear everybody complain about, you know, oh, Facebook is censoring me and I'm like, yeah, you're not a big enough target for anyone to care about you. Um, but yeah, this this stuff is real. It it is happening. Um Yeah, so uh, By the way, audience, my apologies to you. I just realized halfway through the uh the show here I accidentally unplugged my mic. Oh. <laughs> Yeah. Well, so luckily the the onboard iMac mic has been picking me up, but okay. yeah, as I said, <laughs> I didn't even hear you drop out. Um, <laughs> remember when we were first talking? I'm like, I'm having problems with my uh, my microphone. <laughs> remember that? Yeah. Well, now I see why it wasn't all the way in. Awesome. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I've been having some technical difficulties over here over the past couple of weeks too. But anyways, Facebook is not sneaking into my house and unplugging my cables. That that one I'm pretty sure. I don't know. I don't know. You can't put anything. I don't see anyone under my desk at the moment. <laughs> you know um, what? Democrats and Republicans, if you have someone under my desk, you deserve the win if you pull that off. <laughs> oh man, awesome! So, of course, um, you know, just like Brad said, come over and support the show. Head over to taxationstuff.info, and of course, this thing right right here win this thing <laughs> it's not an ar-15 it's it's not it's just an opener 3000 it opens lots of things um you can probably convert it into an ar-15 but i didn't tell you that <laughs> um all you got to do is enter your email address to win so head over to taxationstuff.info and click on the amazing opener 3000 and of course support us in any other way that you can buy something while you're there head over to one of our youtube channels taxation is theft or tit clips and make sure you subscribe and uh, find me on Twitter at Dan for Texas because I'm running for governor of Texas. And I think uh, Brad and I are going to have a conversation after this about how he's going to help me win that election. So um, stay tuned for that. Well, not you, but Brad, you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right, guys, Brad, thank you so much for joining me. This has really been awesome. Uh, I really wish you the best of luck. I hope everybody heads over there right now and donates like $50,000 each or at least $50 each. Um, it's really not a huge budget. I think it is something that, that we can really achieve together. Um, and, uh, and I really want to see this happen because it sounds freaking awesome. But until next time, guys, taxation is theft. I will see you around.